2: And again by Benning. Darnell Nurse left it in the corner. Gets up center. Perry. Scoot. Corey Perry. Well, able to shake away from Solani. It's away the-
1: Hey Ducks fans, it's Patrick and Eddie for tonight's episode of the Forever Mighty Post Game Show. I'm back. You're back! You finally, you literally got home five minutes ago from your flight from my house to the other flight, to the other flight, to the bus ride, to the car ride, to the hitchhiking, to the
2: uh, 15 mile walk in snow. So, welcome home. It feels like it. It it feels like it. (laughs) The uh, the amount of shit that I went through to get home was... uh... I'm sure you guys discussed it on the on the last podcast because I was I, I got a couple messages from people uh, making sure I was okay, but yeah, it was uh, it was a tough road, tough road to get back. A couple extra cities I didn't want to have to go through, but I, I finally made it and uh, made it made it back. It was supposed to be on the last pod, but made it back for this one. So did your nice baggage make it back to your house? Finally, yeah, my baggage came yesterday, uh, <laughs> and and if if to top it all off too. Um, the, the guy called me, told me my bag was going to be there around 10 to 11. Um, so I, like I had to to top everything off that bag made me miss class, but then on even more on top of that, he ended up coming early. So if I hadn't known he was going to come early, I would have been able to get ready and go to class. So (laughs) still, still even, good. So I was missing good. things because of the trip. So. <laughs> what a brutal it, but it was fun. It was worth it. It was worth it in the end. It was it was fun to get back out there. The trip was a goodie. Uh,
1: Jay and I covered it. I think like nineteen podcasts ago. You've been gone for about two months, so it's um it's it's a pleasure to have you back, Ed. It's it's a good thing to have our Canadian third on the podcast. The Ducks fall to the Flames tonight, Eddie, six to one. Um, yeah, I'm not upset about it.
2: Yeah, no, bother not bother really. No, right. Well, how many games left? Three games left after this. And uh, Detroit won today. The Rangers won today. Uh, I think that's it for the teams that are vying in position for the Ducks. I think New Jersey and Ottawa and the Kings are too far out of reach for the Ducks to, to fall that far. But Detroit winning was big, and the Rangers winning was big. And then whenever Buffalo plays again, hopefully Buffalo wins. I know like we're talking about small percentage points at this point. Like Being from 7 to 5 is, like I think, one5 or 2%. But when that's what you're fighting for at this point in the season, it, it matters. Like, it's 1% it's or 2%. It's a, it's a big difference because what else have you got to, to fight for at this point? Like, the, the, what's the point of winning the last three games when you can get a couple extra percentage points chance to get a, the first overall pick or get a top pick or, or have a better chance at even just getting a top five pick? So, um,
1: I, there, there is no sense in winning the last 10 games of the season. I mean, their playoff hopes ended last game. Um, which I, Jason and I are so dumb, we didn't realize. Like we didn't realize Colorado and Arizona played together or played against each other, and that would be the deciding factor in points. We both looked at the games remaining and added the points in our dumb heads, and we're like, "Oh yeah, there's there's still a mathematical chance," which is hilarious. We were wrong, so yeah, um, clearly, very yeah, very much. If it, if if you would had been on the pod, you would have known and would have told us because you know Canadians are infinitely smarter, but. Um, this game was oh Jesus! It was like tankathon. It just felt like there was no hockey being played by the Ducks. Um, it just well, that's not new. I, I mean, mean it I guess relatively, relatively new. I mean, like prior to GM, yeah. BM, interim head co- whatever guy Pancake Bob prior to him, this was normal hockey. This was very normal hockey.
2: Uh, under Bob Murray, this is kind of suspect. Like, what the hell is going on here? Are the Flames well, that good? To be fair, I, I also... I think the last game I was a part of was Game 71. And then I've, I've seen basically highlights of the Ducks playing well. And they've they played better. They've played better from Game, game 72. Seven, you've up, missed eight games? Yeah, so from Game 72 up to Game 78, they've played better. I think at one point in, they were 3-1-1 one, and one in, in their last five games before mm. this one. And they looked like a better team. But you knew going into this one, you kind of circled this one in your calendar and said, well, you know, the Flames are trying to, I guess, I think I think they're still within grasp of top of the Pacific Division with the fall that the, the Sharks have been on. That's what they're trying to get right now. They, just they would like see. home ice advantage throughout the first two rounds of the playoffs, which is big for them, right? Like, anytime you can, and again, we're talking about teams right now fighting for small things. We're talking about the Ducks fighting for percentage points. You're talking about some of the top teams, like the, like the Flames, fighting for... Uh, first in the pacific. Actually, they they pulled pretty far. They, uh ahead. the Flames are first in the west, just so you know. Yeah. Yeah. They they pulled the 8 points in front of the Sharks tonight, and the Sharks have 5 games remaining, so they basically locked it up. And, and they're west 9 did. points ahead of the Jets and the Predators. Yeah. This so team's it's big, legit. It's a big win for them. It, it, it honestly is. A, it, it's a big win for them, because if you can lock that up and you you know, you're still fighting to get in front it's far in front and enough in front of the Sharks that they can't catch you so that you have home ice advantage through the entire first three rounds of the playoffs for the Flames, that's massive, because generally they struggle on the road this year. They've obviously been a better team, but they've been a, a better team in general, but it, it is hard to play. Uh, in Calgary, unless you're the Ducks of the past in the playoffs, but <laughs> getting getting that one extra game is huge. And, and the Flames have been struggling to score as of late, you know, as the broadcast and mentioned <laughs> many times. And what a quality matchup they would get in the playoffs if they started today.
1: They play the freaking Avalanche. So, yeah, what a yeah. quality matchup for the Flames there. That's that's a five game should series. That's a five game series. should be.
2: It, yeah, it, you know, it should be because of how good the Flames are, and it seems like, you know, the, they were on a, a slump as crazy it, as it is with the four talent that this team has, so they went over 156 minutes without getting a goal from a forward until they got goals from five forwards tonight, or I think Monahan had two of them.
1: Well, but, yeah, and they hadn't had one, in, I think Allers said eight, almost eight periods until Monaghan scored that first one of his.
2: Yeah, it was, yeah, just uh, just over eight periods uh, of time. I mean, it was it was unbelievable that this team, when you look at the fact that they have Monaghan and Goodrow and um, Elias Lindholm and Matthew Kachuk and even Frolik and Backlund, I mean, that, that top six right there, the fact that they went scoreless in that period of time, but then you still got guys on the blue line like Mark Giordano, who it, it doesn't really matter, and I think he got the first goal of the game for the Flames anyway, so... Yeah, they're an extremely talented group. Uh, I I don't know if I'd put them in the group of, of being a sweep just because Mike Smith, right? That that's the question mark that's been for this team all yeah, year. Yeah, they're
1: they're 18th in the NHL in, in team save percentage, whereas the Avs I just looked it over right here are 12th, uh, and
2: they definitely
1: don't have the Sharks team save percentage, which is probably going to be pretty hilarious to watch. The second worst save percentage in the league take on the Vegas Golden Knights if that turns out to be the thing for the Sharks. But the Flames, yeah, man, you're right. I mean, it just they haven't they haven't really had it in net. I mean, at one point they did with Riddish, but you turn that, that crease over to Smith, and it's a wild card. Like, you don't know what Smiths you're going to get night after night. It's kind of a brutal thing between the pipes for the Flames right now.
2: Yeah, I, the good thing is, and, you know, you talk about teams who go into the playoffs, and they've got one guy. And you're like, if that guy doesn't do well, it's over for them. You know, the Flames have two guys who could get hot. You know, Rittich was really good this year. He struggled a bit. Then Mike Smith went on a roll, and that's why he has the crease right now. So the Flames have that going for them, but you still have that inconsistency of, well, what if they both aren't just good? And yeah. You lose the, you, you lose home ice advantage. It doesn't matter if you're playing Dallas, you're playing Arizona, you're playing Colorado. You've now got to go on the road and win some games, and they've, they've got the goal scoring to do it. But uh, it'll be interesting to see. I, I think the first few rounds for them could be easier. I think they could beat Vegas, I think they could beat San Jose, but if they get in a battle with, with the Jets or with the Predators, I think that's going to be tough for them.
1: Yeah, it could be. Uh, they're just really speedy, and they can actually just attack you on multiple levels, and that's a huge thing for them. Like, Mark Giordano has shorthanded goals to the defenseman. He gets the first goal, I think, tonight, right? He had the first one on the knife of the flames to tie yeah. the game after Andy Walensky scored. So they have scoring all over the place. But let's let's talk about our Ducks. Um, I'm, I'm tired of talking about the Calgary Flames. It's unfortunate that at, um, the Ducks have to face them one more time at Honda Center this year next Wednesday. I'll be at that game. Um, I'll be chanting, you probably can win here, because I don't really feel like, <laughs> like yeah. you can't win here. It's going to be a thing anymore with how the Flames have been playing this year, especially against the Ducks, uh, especially after tonight. But Ryan Miller was in net tonight unfortunately for him there wasn't a whole lot he could do on many of these goals Uh, you really can't hold Miller responsible
2: no you can't and and I was a little bit surprised to see him get the start I thought Gibson would go against Calgary and and Miller would go against uh, Edmonton tomorrow Gibby wants Connor McDavid he does he wants to shut down the between the legs top shelf goal (laughs) oh man that if you haven't seen that goal uh, who were they playing last night? Was it Dallas? Dallas. It Dallas. Yeah, but hey, it wasn't Ben Bishop.
1: wasn't Ben Bishop. I'm sorry. was It wasn't American great Vesna winner coming up. It wasn't him.
2: Yeah, it was, uh, was Kid But, I mean, Connor McDavid casually skates his way to 40 goals and, and pots his 40th goal like that, which it was almost as good as
1: Austin Matthews.
2: Then he gets asked, I think after the game, he gets asked. Uh, what? How do you feel about putting up a new career high in points? Or it might have been the previous game because he had a four point. Wait, wait,
1: wait! Can can I answer for him?
2: How he answered? Yeah, I don't even know. But let me
1: let me just tell you how he answered. Yeah, take a guess. Yeah. Well, it's been a really disappointing season. You know, I don't really care about the points. It's, it's already too life. long. It's more it's about my teammates.
2: Long. It's already <laughs> too long. He he said whatever. That's what he said.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was of not Of course short he, he re- did. Was... Of course he did.
2: He was not uh, not feeling it, but he's at I think 114 points now. You know, back, triple back to back to back hundred point seasons for this guy. Uh, now we're getting off on a tangent for Connor McDavid. But... Almost as
1: good as a Russian. I'm just saying. So.
2: Yeah, but before we hop off that with the Oilers, you're you're getting dangerously close to losing that bet uh, for Leon Drysdale. I stand
1: by my bet. He's not hitting fifty.
2: He's at forty-seven with uh, five games remaining.
1: That's great. He's not
2: hitting it. Yeah. Right. At, it's funny because right after that, even I didn't feel too comfortable with the bet. He had 43 goals, I think, with seven games remaining, and uh, you felt pretty confident. Then he yeah, goes out well, and gets a oh, I'm still confident. I'm still
1: confident. He goes
2: out I'm and still gets still a hat trick, then he gets another goal, and he's playing on the line with Connor McDavid now. So it's, of course uh, he is. He
1: can't anchor his own line, so he's got he's got to get the feeds from McDavid.
2: Of course. The interesting thing is is could Drysaddle beat Ovechkin to 50? Mm. One one hat trick for for That's that's a lot, but a hat trick for Drysaddle gets him to 50. Ovi's one away, so likely Ovi hits that in his next game. But it, it, it's close now. I mean, it's not out of, it's not out of question to say that Dry settle can get to 50 before uh, Ovi does. That's like a whole other bet in itself.
1: Yeah, I mean, who's going to get to 125 points first? The other Russian, Kucherov or McDavid? I'm, I'm just curious. Oh, Kucherov. Kucherov. Uh, oh, I just want to make sure you understood that Russians are better than Canadians at hockey. Just throwing <laughs> that out there. <laughs> It's all right. You got an American up there. You've got uh, Patrick Kane. Yeah, somewhere. Yep. Yeah, he's somewhere up there, almost at 100 points. Um, no, he's at 104. Oh, 104. He finally passed. Okay, uh, anyway, that's good. Let's, let's, let's on. Let's, let's get on here. Let's come with the game. And this game was tough, you guys. So if you're listening to the show and you're giggling at the fact we haven't started it yet, that's because the game was hardly watchable if you're a Ducks fan. Ryan Getzloff's still out, of course. There's no reason to play him at this point. He's actually being evaluated as to why he's having spasms. He's having back spasms?
2: Yeah, backspathers, yeah. And, and he's seeing a doctor now because good they don't news. know why it's happening. Yeah, not good that, news. That, that That's worrying a bit, right? Yeah, like, that's good. The that's, fact he they don't know why it's happening is a little bit ominous, but hopefully he's okay. Yeah,
1: it's not good news for uh, for Ryan Getzloff. Hopefully they figured out. Uh, good news is they have like six months to figure it out. So we'll see what happens with, with Getzi. Hopefully he's better sooner rather than later. I'd like to see him in-game next week when I'm at the game against Calgary off uh, out Manson now, which just, I mean, can we just say it now it's concussion? That's got to be a concussion.
2: He, he goes I never in. saw it. I never saw what happened.
1: Uh, okay, so uh, who was he trying to hit? I th- oh, Jesus, I forgot he was trying to hit behind the net. He goes in for a hit behind the net last game, um, and he ends up going helmet, or face to helmet, whoever he was trying to hit. And, it, I mean, dude, he was down like that, just flat out down. Didn't grab his face. Didn't didn't do anything. Did, barely moved, and he was done for. It, it was not a it was not a nice looking play for Josh Manson. And the trainer had to come out. He wasn't he wasn't KO'd. It was definitely a TKO. It, it was like he wasn't out laying on the ice, but it, it wasn't pretty yet. You didn't see a replay or anything of this.
2: No, like I think this uh, this game was right when I got back the night of I got back and I got back at like two in the morning. So that wasn't uh, that wasn't happening. That was not uh, on my radar to go back and 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 check in on the highlights. I heard he got injured, but then I never kind of went back and and checked on. But he's not the only guy now, right? Like all of a sudden, I guess there's never been a time where the Ducks were ever healthy 100 percent. But now it's it's get Manson, Richie's out, Kessler's out, Ghoulie's out. Who am I missing? Cash is still out, obviously. Cash
1: is still out. Yeah, I think we're good. I think you hit every everybody pretty easily there. You got all the players. It was just not a fun night for Josh. It was at the end of the game, too, man. It's just It was so hard. It was really hard to see him go down like that. So he's out. Richie's out. I never saw Richie get hurt, but Richie and Kessler are still out, too. Same with Gooley. Dotchin gets called up. That was what signaled the bad news uh, for the Ducks with Josh Manson. So, just it is what it is at this point, guys. I mean, if you're if you've been playing along all season and you're hanging in for game seventy nine and you're hoping, you know, to see something magical happen here, even though they're out of the playoffs, it just wasn't tonight. Uh, the lines, as we look at them here, sprung, Henrique and Perry, Raquel, Short, Silverberg, Sherwood, Steele and Terry, Jones, Grant and Rowney, and then the defensive pairs. We got Lindy with Larson, uh, Dodson and Fowler, Magna and Holzer. I mean, this is are we not used to this by now, Eddie? Are we not used to this shuffling lineup and this this injury-riddled team? It just it seems like this team just we just can't count on um, these the big names to be stay in the lineup night after night. It just doesn't happen anymore.
2: Yeah, it, it's a, a yearly thing now. It's an annual thing where they they have big nice big guys out of the lineup pretty much at every point of the season there's somebody some some one of the bigger names or one of the most effective players they have is generally out of the lineup and you know this year it was Corey Perry for the first half of the season he gets back Andre Cash and gets done for the season so they're without you know two of their their best right wingers for the entire year and then you've got guys just going in and out of the lineup here and there Kessler obviously still not 100 percent now gets left for I think the second time he's gone out with with injury for for more than a couple games this year and I don't know if there's been anybody who's played all 82 games this year I think Manson might have been the only guy that was getting close to that and now he's hurt so I, I would be surprised to see if any of the Ducks actually got close to to 80 this year I I I really don't think there was anybody, you know, Adam Henrique might be another guy that was getting close to it, but uh, it's been a tough year all around for pretty much everybody. So Manson went in to hit Tanner Pearson in Vancouver,
1: and it was kind of a physical game towards the end, and that's where he took the hit, went face to helmet, it's not pretty, so the name slipped me, I went back and looked, and that's what it was, But, but yeah, you're right it's just the way it's been I mean no one's been healthy this year I mean or last year or the year before we always joke about it on the show I mean Jason I've said the same thing it feels like ever since um what was that the uh I can't it just slipped my mind right now but the uh why do I want to say it's not pox they didn't have pox (laughs) oh the mumps they had the mumps yeah the pox like they had smallpox I'm (laughs) an idiot yeah, the mumps. They had The mumps were like cross. We had like the quagmire chin. It was like, oh, I'm fine. Nothing is wrong with me. But, I mean, it went around the league. And, uh, yeah, ever ever since that year, it just felt like this team just hasn't been healthy. And I think that was like 2013. It's It's been a long time. Speaking um, yeah. so of this game here, slow start. It didn't look like it was going to be high scoring for either team. And it just, you know, Ducks get lucky here. Puck bounces out in front to Walensky. And a lot of it had to do with the fact that Mike Smith decided to poke it because that guy can't stand to have a puck around him, so he pokes the puck as the puck goes out in front. Walensky's able to slam home, a, basically a one-time pass from Mike Smith, hits the corner, and it's one nothing in And not, not a bad
2: play there uh, for the Ducks to create the chance in front, and Walensky pounds it home. Yeah, and he, he pounds it right over Mike Smith's head too because Smith is still crouched over from poke-checking the puck, and, and Walensky almost takes off his head great shot by him it's it's nice to see him finally get his first goal i honestly thought they made a mistake when they first said this because i could have sworn he had gotten it before but i think it was a back maybe earlier this year last year where somebody ended up tipping in one of his shots and and originally they thought it was his first goal and then it ended up getting changed but it's nice to see him finally get one i think the only guy who's up right now who hasn't got one is uh Larsen, larson who's still looking for his first nhl goal so he's got three games to do it and hopefully he could get it because there's been a ton of them this year right there's been a ton of guys who, who recorded their first NHL goal um, a lot of the rookies coming up obviously Wilensky I think Kiefer Sherwood as well so it, it's been a, an, an interesting year for that but it was nice to see him get on the board the, the the Ducks started slow but leading up into this goal they had a couple chances where they started turning things around and I think it was the only part of this entire game where you're like oh they're actually controlling play they're playing a little bit better than the Flames are.
1: Yeah, and that was it. I, I really feel like the first period was pretty much Anaheim's game, and Giro able to step into one, basically just blowing it by Ryan Miller on blocker's side. I mean, after after Raquel was able to thread the needle to Jones on the play prior to that, and Jones able to just, he just, that poor kid, man. I just wish he would have buried that. That What the confidence would have done for him on that one. He had a, just a wide open chance on a breakaway on Smith on a hell of a play by Raquel Gets denied. puck goes back up the ice. Uh, flames control for a bit, and Giordano just blows it by Miller. I mean, what are you going to do? It just happens sometimes. And Giordano was uh, my Minor's pick. I don't know. I know you weren't on our on our bonus show, so that's the only pick
2: I'll reveal. But I mean, Giordano's having a hell of a year, man. Well, we we I think we talked about this multiple times this year about different awards, and and uh, yeah, I think Giordano should be the guy who is the favorite for that i mean the year he's had and and he'll you know he'll get up there with some of the guys like headman and burns will be up and, and involved in those discussions and maybe morgan riley as well but Giordano has just been consistently good all year for the flames I, you know there hasn't been a time where he's really gone on the slump and, and hasn't contributed to this team and you know for a guy i think he's at 34 35 having himself a career yeah. year is, is pretty impressive and you know, he's, he's not only putting up points, I think he's been one of the best defensive defensemen this year You know the, the Flames they mentioned going into this game were the team who allows the fewest shots against in the, in the entire league, so a lot of that credit has to go to Mark Giordano really being the general for that blue line and for that entire team and, and playing in all situations, so it, it's unbelievable seeing what he's done and, and not surprised that he gets the, the first one of the game for them
1: yeah, he's over 70 points he's been an absolute beast this year and it's it's kind of it kind of feels like a long time coming for him for giordano it just i feel like he's been good longer than just this year this year's definitely one of his peak years but he's always been a good defenseman and he's been with the flames i think they said on the broadcast all 13 seasons of his career in the nhl he had one year in the khl which is really random to me i don't even remember that so lockout probably probably i have to go back and check i'm not sure but the Ducks get out of the first period one to one. You kind of figure, okay, it's going to be maybe a close game. The Ducks can hang with them. Not the case. And Sean Monahan had a lot to say in this game. He had two goals and two assists. He gets on the board here. Anderson with a slap shot from the top of the circles on the rush. Miller kicks out a fat, just a fat rebound to the high slot. And Monahan's right there with the stick on the ice. Keep your sticks on the ice, kids. And things like this happen. Uh, Sean Monahan's able to roof it over Ryan Miller. Man, it's. Is what it is. It happens. A point shot goes through, Miller kicks it out to the slot, and that's where all the happy things happen in the NHL, and now it's a 2-1 game.
2: Yeah, he was on a huge slump. I mean, uh, the entire forward group for the Flames were, but uh, Sean Monahan ha- has been one of those players this year for the Flames that have just been unbelievable. They've got four guys up front <laughs> who are, I think, going to hit uh, either. I think they're over 70 or could hit 80 points this year for the, the whole lot of them, which is uh, ridiculous. And the fact, like I said earlier, that they were even on a slump with the, the guys that they have up, up front are, are, is insane. And it's a tough one. It's a tough one for Miller, I'm sure. No, he probably wants that one back, but Sean Monahan shouldn't really be allowed to operate in, in that much space and be alone in front to pot that rebound. So it's a tough one for Ryan Miller. But you know the Ducks are going to look at that one and say somebody probably should have had Sean Monahan because that's one of the last guys on this team that you want to leave open and alone for to to cash in a rebound like that.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure who was on the ice there for the Ducks forward-wise. I didn't catch it and make a note, but Sprong, Sherwood, and Steele were victimized tonight. They were out there for three goals against. So not not a strong look for that line. Uh, together, it just what are those three players together? I mean, they it, they just were not great tonight. Um, I know. I think it was Larson in front of the net who got caught on that on that play. Uh, what are you going to do though? I mean, these kind of things happen. Also, just two one, Jones goes to the box for cross checking. Jones is just a big kid, knocks down uh, Zars. I think it was uh, how do you say his name?
2: Zarnick. Zarnik, Zarnik. Zarnik.
1: Zarnik yeah. yeah, he gets knocked down. They say it was in the numbers, but I mean, okay. Uh, Flames go to the power play. James Neal cashes in. I think by his thigh
2: or his shin guard or something. I originally thought this goal was Monahan again. Yeah, yeah. So did everybody in uh in? Is it still Scotiabank saddle though? I'm just gonna uh, let's just saddle assume Club. it is. Let's yeah. assume it is. Yeah. So did everybody in, in the Flames arena because uh, they thought he got a hat trick in the last game too. So it was uh, it was one that I didn't see. I think this is how James Neal scores goals now. Is that he ends up getting them off his ass off his leg because i mean let's be honest we talked about it this year as well he's been one of the guys who's been uh you know one of the worst free agent signings this year where he just has not been able to score in a regular basis they paid a lot of money for this guy too they paid a lot of money for james neal and uh this is probably not the type of goals you want him to score but if if right now i think they'll take anything from guy so it's again, it's a tough one for Miller because you can't really do anything for that one. When it deflects in off a player, especially right in front like that, but <laughs> James Neal will take it. He, that's all he can really get this year. Yeah, man. I mean, besides the fact that, um, besides
1: the fact that, uh, that he had not scored in what eight periods, four hasn't scored in eight periods. It was nice to see James Neal get a goal if you're a James Neal fan. But that guy's been absolute garbage this year. I mean, he got paid all that money, like you said, from from his outstanding year in Vegas the year prior. To come to the Flames this year, and he just hasn't done anything. He's had injuries, but he's also older. Just not quite worked out for the Flames. And luckily for them, they haven't really had to rely
2: on him, honestly. No, no. and That's, you know, what's insane is that this Ford group, could he be even better if he was any bit close to what he was last year? You know, you look at the fact that we, we mentioned the top line of, of Goodrell Monahan, and Lindholm being one of the best in the NHL. And then you've got Backland and Kachuk and Froelich, who are a very under, underrated line, then you would have a guy like James Neal, who arguably could have been on that second line, might have been the guy that they brought in to go on that top line, and then Elias Lindholm stole that spot from everybody. But you know, imagine if James Neal can get hot for the playoffs, if he can just somehow get— I mean, he, he always has that potential, right? He, he used to be, at one point, one of the, the most lethal snipers in this league. So that's a scary proposition for a lot of teams, just thinking you know, James Neal at any point could turn it on and uh you know he's been a big game player in the past so the flames at least are hoping that you know this isn't one that's going to get him off his, off his horse and he's all of a sudden going to turn into a completely different player but maybe the playoffs and the, the different atmosphere in the playoffs are are what's going to get james neal going because i think he's making like five and a half million dollars yeah he's and, making a uh, lot of pro- money the production he's had this year has has been nowhere near uh yeah. in the value that they paid for him yeah, it's been it's been brutal for him.
1: I mean, he's always been that guy that's kind of been the goal scorer, and you know this season just hasn't been his way. Uh, which didn't bother me at all. He's not on the Ducks, so I could care less. But um, a scary thing would happen in this period, man. Not a, not a good second period for the Ducks. Not only are they down three one at this point, but Troy Terry <sighs> just <laughs> brutal, brutal. He's been on fire. Uh, at times, and especially with the goals. He was on fire before he came to Anaheim. He's cooled off a bit here. But he's preparing to play this last game or two, and then go down to the goals of the playoffs. The goals, I think playoffs start in two weeks. He blocks a shot from Mark Giordano. He has to crawl to the bench, goes to the locker room, and doesn't come back, man. That's... God, really, like, just another injury. Like, do we really need to keep piling these on? We're already out of the playoffs. Like, why do the hockey gods still uh, smiting us night after night. I, don't, I just
2: don't get it. It's a bigger loss to the San Diego Gulls if he's yeah. out long-term because you know, it doesn't really matter for the Ducks for the remaining three games if Troy Terry is in or out. No, no offense to him. I'm just saying you know that's the, the way it is right now with the where the Ducks are in the standings. It's probably better for them if they don't have Troy Terry's skill in the lineup if they're looking to lose games and, and get a higher position. But it, it is a tough loss for the San Diego Gulls, who he would be arguably their best forward when he gets back down there, he was for most of this year. Hopefully it's not long-term, you know, hopefully it's just a bone bruise and they kept him out for precautionary reasons or, it's you know, something that's not super serious and that he'll be able to come back in two weeks. Because if he's out for, for any length of time, it's a, a major loss to San Diego, despite the fact that they're going to be getting Brendan Gooley likely back at and, and Sam Steele, Max Jones, among others. That's the biggest piece that they could have lost in Troy Terry, because he, he was really controlling play for everybody when he was down in san diego playing on the line at times with max jones and also sam Steele, and making those players better in the ahl so let's hope it's not long term because it it would be just typical this year for the injury issues to to not only spill over into the ahl and, and affect the goals as well
1: maybe maybe the ducks are just uh putting a mustache and some hair a wig on ryan getzloff and they're resting him for the goals playoff run. You're going to send him down there and let him pretend he's somebody else.
2: <laughs> just do that. Just do that instead. Why not? Right? Yeah. I'm, I'm sure that I'm sure nobody would notice this bald thirty year old. They're putting a hair on today, him. Okay, so. like they're going to put hair on him, and that's just
1: the way it's yeah. going. To be. Oh, I'm sorry. One of your fans called you on your phone. I you know, didn't want to have that on there.
2: You know how it is. You know how it is. <laughs> yeah, not a big deal. Eddie getting phone calls. So um, that's what happens when uh, you haven't been on the show for eight games, and uh, you, you're amateur. trying to remember to get everything set up. So Troy Terry questionable for return, which always
1: means that's just meaning he's not coming back, which he didn't in tonight's game. Not a good thing. Uh, Hampus Lindholm, my boy, would wire one off the post. Wouldn't be good enough here in the third period. Ducks are down 3-1 at this point. Brody from the point blast one is tipped in from Derek Ryan. One of the easiest tip plays I've seen this season. I mean, really. It was just he's just floating in front of the net, unaccosted whatsoever. Fowler slowly trailing behind him, and it's tipped by Miller. All of a sudden now it's 4-1. I mean, what are you gonna do? It's just the way it was for Ryan Miller tonight. He had no help.
2: Yeah, it's the fourth line for the Flames, too, which is, is painful. And it, it's a better fourth line than other teams do. Oh, have, the Derek highly
1: sought-after Derek Ryan. Do you, remember, do you remember that over the summer? Everybody he's he's, like, a, oh, he's still Ryan, he's, he's a, a
2: third-line player. I think he's better than a, a fourth-line player. And you know they're playing with Mangia Pane, who's a very really good young player for the Flames as well. And, I, and I'm not even sure who's the, the third member on that fourth line. But when you have those two guys down there, it's already an above-average fourth line to throw over the boards. But either way, it hurts when you get beat by the fourth line and beat that easily you know the, the, the point shot I, I know it floated across right to uh, I think it was TJ Brody who was wide open yep. so that shot was always going to be an open shot for him but the fact that you know Derek Ryan's able to just skate stick on the ice uncontested in front of Ryan Miller and tip that in I think that's what's most painful about that one is is again just like the Monaghan goal really not picking up guys in front of the net it's what it's something that we've struggled with with the ducks all year it's something we pointed out on, on multiple podcasts that you know the ducks have had problems, especially in the Randy Carlisle era of picking up players in front of the net and there's there's you know some games they look better. I think most games they've looked better, but then you get these regression games every now and then where you kind of start to pick apart and it remembers some things that happened in the beginning of the year and you start to see some similarities between how the ducks are playing now and how they played under Randy Carlisle
1: yeah that was a, it's just a bad game man and it just might be. The season's done at this point for the Ducks, and that's what it feels like to me. I mean, I've kind of checked out of the the rah rah, let's go boys. Like it just, it doesn't really matter at this point. Like I've, like Jay and I've talked about it. It's fun when they win, and I really like when they beat division rivals. But uh, it's, it is what it is at this point. I mean, I don't want them to lose, but to see this kind of goal going, it's just kind of like, oh, well, that's just kind of how our season's gone. It's not ultra yeah. disappointing, but
2: it's kind of just like. Fowler, it still stings, and you, you're upset at you know the fact they're losing, but it's not as bad because there's a light at the end of the tunnel in, the, in terms of the draft lottery, right? Like maybe if they were fighting for a playoff spot. <laughs> well, either way, like you're still gonna be involved in it and, and get a higher pick. The, the draft is the light at, at the end of the tunnel this year, so it, it's not as bad in that sense. But you know, I, I get what you're saying. I mean, for everybody at the game, it's definitely disappointing you know when you're at the game you want them to win because you're you're in the atmosphere it's a little bit easier to get more into the game i mean when i was down we were at the sharks game and, and despite the ducks probably you know standings wise you wouldn't want them to lose that game when you're there and there's such Sharks fans there oh, in i, your can't, face, you I can't i can't deal with
1: this i can't deal with this yeah I, they can't so win they i, can't I win sympathize
2: I, I sympathize for the fans that attend the games. Obviously, this was in Calgary, so there, you know if there were Ducks fans there, I, I sympathize for them as well. But you know it, it's tougher to want them to lose when you're at the game, and it's a lot easier for us sitting at home to be like, oh yeah, the, I I'm okay with the six to one loss. But when you have to be there and experience and be around the opposing team's fans, it it sucks. You know I was in Toronto earlier this year when the when the Ducks lost six to one. Their season was pretty much over at that point too. But it, you, don't, you, know, you never want to see it happen live. It's a lot more disappointing. So I feel bad for those guys.
1: Yeah, or if you're a season ticket holder and you're selling your seats because you can't stand to be at this team and you paid all kinds of money for them, that's a tough way, man. It's a, if you're a team supporter like that, it's tough. You're right. And the Ducks would find themselves down 4-1. Let's wrap this up, man. The Flames you get two goals here. Ryan Miller absolutely stones Maggiapane or Maggiapane, how do you say his name? I'm not sure. But we'll like an empty net. Miller gets a piece of it, and then it goes to the point, and the point shot goes in, gets tipped in. Just, to, just the way it's been. And all of a sudden yep. now it's 5-1. I don't know what you're going to do here if you're Ryan Miller.
2: Not much. Same with the last one. I mean, there's, there was, I think, three or four tip goals in this game, right? Yeah, yeah the, the six Ryan, goals are tipped in, too. Yeah. yeah, James Neal, Derek Ryan, the sixth goal uh, for Monaghan. This goal uh, was tipped in by Hathaway, like – Again, you know Ryan Miller didn't have a great game by any means. You know he made a couple of good saves here and there, but it's hard. You know when you get you you got guys unconceded in front of the net that aren't getting their sticks tied up and they're able to deflect the puck uh, past you. I mean that that's tough when you, know, you look back at six one. You say at least four of those. There's nothing I could do. Yeah. You know, I mean, he gets deflected in front of the net, you, at that point you're at the mercy of wherever the puck's going to go. And unfortunately for Ryan Miller, went past him four times, and it, it's a tough game. You know. He was having a good season up until this point, and, and you know he's had the struggles here and there. and It's a tough way, if this is the last game of the year for him, it's a tough way to end it out. I hope it is, and I hope he gets the rebound and at least end the season on a high note for him because this game had the writing on the wall going into it that the Flames were ready to burst out and get back to, to the way they were scoring all season. And, of course, that's the way it turned out, right? So. I bet you he gets a game before the
1: end of the season. I have to think he's going to get one. I mean, what's the... What's the harm in that? I wouldn't even be surprised if he got the home start against the Flames, and then then Gibby's able to finish up the season against LA. I kind of feel like that might be the way it goes with with, uh, with three games left. Gibby gets tomorrow, and then Ryan Miller gets to start against the Flames, and then uh, and then Gibby ends the season against LA. That's that's my uh, prediction, if you if you if you will there. Um, I don't know; it makes sense to me.
2: Maybe be wrong. Yeah, you know, I, I think Miller probably got this matchup. I'm just assuming because. They like to look at career numbers, the Ducks do, when they go into games. And I would assume that Miller probably has better career numbers against the Flames than Gibson. And that's why he got the start. Otherwise, it makes no sense. And, like, I don't know why you would rest Gibson for for Conor McDavid and the Oilers when the Flames are are obviously the better team this year. Uh, Again, it doesn't matter because the Ducks aren't going to make the playoffs. They're mathematically eliminated. and, And at this point, it doesn't really matter who starts against who. But it still is an interesting decision. So maybe with you know the Flames coming up again and Miller getting beat six to one, that might be a game where they say, yeah, I don't, I don't know about that. Maybe he goes against the Kings. I, I would, I would still think with three games remaining, he at least gets one of those three starts. Let's hop into our post-game notes, my friend. Let's talk about
1: Ryan Getzloff seeing a doctor. Is this really concerning you about back spasms? I mean, I know that it doesn't seem like a torn muscle. It's not a bone break. It's not you know a ripped MCL ACL torn labrum concussion. Um, but it is concerning. And uh, does it really bother you that much, though. We're kind of at the end of the year. I wonder if it's even something that people need to care about if they're just over, being over-precautious.
2: I think with with the the injuries the Ducks have had this year, and like the myriad of injuries they've had, like the the different types of injuries they had, the, the bizarre injuries the Ducks have had, it's always worrying. You know, I'm not worried about him missing the games. That you know, he, the Ducks don't need him to be in the lineup, right? Like, it, it's not going to be an issue. They win the last three, they lose the last three, nothing really changes for them. So, in that sense, you know, having him in as a player, it, it's not a big worry for me. Uh, but it, it is, you know, when you don't know what it is, and you know, they clearly came out and said that. They don't know why he's having these muscle spasms. It could be something really simple. And I think just with all the injuries that the, the Ducks have had this year, uh, you always start kind of thinking the worst, and especially when he has to go see a doctor to find out why something is happening. You never know what that could be. But I, I don't think it's serious. But there's just that, that worry attached with it this year. The, the Ducks fans just have that worry around wh- around injuries. Maybe we were talking about Troy Terry. We're, we're worried that it could be long-term. Well, That's the bigger injury, worry
1: for me is what the goals are going to do. If they if they lose Troy Terry to a broken a broken foot a broken bone in his foot something like that it's just not good the way he crawled back to the bench is pretty concerning
2: yeah but, you know as for laugh, I'm I'm sure he's fine uh, and I'm sure you know they'll figure out what's going on and it won't be anything severe um, but again like I like I said there's always that worry attached when there's a mystery around the injury when you don't really know what's happening we 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 know with uh, Patrick Eves you know, for a while we did we didn't know what it was and then they announced. That it was guillain syndrome. I probably butchered the name of that, but they, uh, you know, we, we had no idea what that was, and they didn't know what it was leading up right. to until he got a consulting from a doctor, and you know that whole situation kind of lingers over any mysterious injury that the Ducks have now. You know, for a while we thought uh, I think it was John Gibson had a concussion, and it didn't turn out to be the case. He had whiplash or whatever, but you never know, right? You know, they were the, the, the Ducks aren't really forthcoming with that information. So we're always kind of left to speculate until the news does come out. And you get these little leaks of things like this where he's seeing a doctor <laughs> and to kind of add a fuel to the fire. Well, let's get on to the next uh, topic tonight. You just mentioned
1: Patrick Ease with Guillain-Barr syndrome. Ease now been nominated for the Bill Masterton Memorial Trophy. Um, do you think that he probably should have lost that to Ryan Kessler or does he deserve it? I'm being sarcastic here, by the way, because I mean being celebrated for
2: injuries is tough as it is. Yeah, I I think he deserves it. He does. He for, for sure. sure they both do, but he um, definitely he, does as well. He likely deserves to be a finalist as well. I, I'm not sure. Again, who all the nominate the nominees are for uh, teams. I mean, last year was clear cut. It was it was going to be Boyle who won it with what he went through. I mean, that was going to be obvious. This year, I don't know. You know who, what everybody's been going through, and, and who's been nominated by each team. But you, you know, from a little bit of a biased opinion, I think you would have to assume that that Patrick Eaves is at least a finalist with what he's been going through. The fact that. You know, he, he went through that and missed the entire you know, the entire summer, didn't know if he was ever going to play again, comes back, plays a few games and then has another injury he has to deal with and now the weakness is back and they don't know if if it you know has anything to do with the injury that he had before and the illness he had, so it's been a tough year and he, but he's persevered through it and you know, i I think he, he's easily the only guy I think that should have got dominated by the ducks and I, and I think he should be a finalist uh, uh depending on what you know what the other nominees have gone through this year I mean
1: the other nominees I think the two I think the it kind of goes around the board with with injuries and all that happens right I mean guys that are persevering through life challenges game challenges but I, I kind of feel like the finalists will be Eves, uh, Montreal Canadian fans and uh clearly <laughs> I mean, clearly, it's going to be Edmonton fans, you know, to miss the playoffs. Why Montreal Canadian fans? Uh, just because they're, they're, they they're gotta, having a better year. Because they're French, they and it, they're weird, and they have, like, and they hate everybody. So if you're not French, they don't like each other. They don't like you. It's just the way it is. Yeah. From they're what I've heard, I've never been to Montreal. Um, and then the Edmonton Oilers fans, clearly. Yeah, yeah. They've gone through some hardship year after year, and this is their well, year just we to win. we for having to deal with that. Yeah, no, he might. He very much he very much uh, could be a finalist um, for the Masters and Trophy. No, but in all seriousness, no, Eves definitely deserves that, man. He's had such a tough goal I mean, what a brutal turn of events for him. I mean, you come to Anaheim, you have a hell of a year with Ryan Getzloff, you get injured, and then you just don't come back after you sign an extension. You just don't come back. It's just really, really sad.
2: Yeah, because, I mean, at this point, again, we're back to that point where there's no guarantee if he's ever going to play again right like we thought that was there all isn't. came back from that and that he was going to be good to go and then again the, the, like I said the weakness came back and we don't know if it has anything to do with, with the illness he had before but you would assume it does and, and that that's disappointing because it would have been nice for him to end his career or at least end his time with the Ducks on a high note and at least play his final season in Anaheim and and have a, a decent season where he's able to just go out on his own terms so hopefully it's not the end of his career because that'd be a disappointing way to, to finish out
1: no, for sure. Let's get on to your boy, Sam Steele. You haven't, you didn't get a chance to talk about no. his hattie against the Canucks on the penalty shot when he goes backhand shelf on a ridiculous deke. Um, hell of a play by the kid. And, um, yeah, man, he's a great player. He also he's put himself back at the limelight here in Anaheim.
2: Yeah, I, I, this was the game I was supposed to be back for. And uh, of course, I was on the bus, and I'm looking at you know I look at the first goal I see. Sam Steele. I'm like, oh, it's great. You know, Sam Steele got a goal. Check back, <laughs> about uh, half an hour later, when I get some Wi-Fi, he's got a second one. And then at the end of the second, end of the third, I get I'm getting a couple messages, and Sam Steele's a hat trick. god damn this is the game I'm gonna miss. Of course, like he, you know, the guy at one point was the clear cut number one for Ducks prospects, and this he, you know, he finally has his coming out party at what like game 78 of the season. He, he finally gets things going, but. He, that's kind of been his his whole year, you know. He it took him a while to get things going in San Diego, and then before the call up, he was just tearing it up down there. Uh, I think he had like four straight games with goals. He had a, a point streak going as well, and then he comes up and, and he puts together two back to back games with with an assist, and then follows that up with a hat trick against Vancouver. So can we can we give a
1: nice clap it, to Bob Murray for putting him in for the penalty shot? I mean, yeah, I mean, come yeah. on, Carlisle ain't doing that. Carlisle I ain't feel putting the like, kid uh, in. Oh, I, really? I, I mean, if if he would have gave it old. to Perry. He would have been like, oh, Corey... Maybe. You've had a tough year.
2: I mean, you're our veteran. Let's let's give you the puck. Yeah, I, I don't know. When you got a kid like that on two goals, no matter who it is, I, I, I would give Randy the benefit of the doubt that he oh. put him in there. But it was it, it was nice either Ooh. way to give it to him, and he he shows that he he, just, he should have been the guy that was in there because the move he makes. I mean, he was feeling it that game, obviously with the two goals leading up into that. Such that a ballsy
1: a, move. That's a ball. People don't get move. it. That's a yeah. ballsy move
2: by that's a kid. That's 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 a move that I, you know. Not many guys can pull off. The only guys I see that consistently pull off if Barkov pulls that off a lot. There we go. There uh, we go. There's Barkov. But that's the guy who consistently pulls it off, and he's one of the best in the shootout. And and for Sam Seal to go in on a penalty shot with all the nerves in the world, he's on two goals. He's looking for his first career hat trick. This is only his, his fourth career goal if he puts it in the back of the net. And cool, calm, and collected. He does it. I mean, He made it look easy. made it look like he's been doing it all year. And all of a sudden, he's got eight points now, I think, in 18 games, which is pretty respectable. Uh, it's about a 40-point pace on the season. Um, obviously, three of those eight points are in that one game with the hat trick. But he was stringing together some good play. And, and he, even in the game tonight, he didn't get on the score sheet, but he looked good. He's just looking more comfortable. And it's what we've seen for all the Ducks players on their second call-ups or you know, this year when they've been called up later in the year and had some time with San Diego. Max Jones comes up. Looks great. Looks confident. Troy Terry, his second call up, looks great. Sam Steele. Can Jones please
1: in score in every last game? Can he just have three goals? Can he just please score against Edmonton shot. tomorrow? Score against Calgary? Score against should Kings. have like
2: eight or ten goals. I mean, what tonight again. What the hell? You know, again, tonight, tonight was a great save by Mike Smith. Um, he probably should have just waited a little bit longer. A microsecond,
1: a millisecond,
2: yeah. whatever you want to call it, if past
1: he, that. Just hold just, it for that last bit of time and bury it.
2: Yeah, and he had enough space that he could have just, you know, did a little bit more on the toe drag and, and held out uh, his
1: If he's on his forehand there, that's a tuck. He tucks that in, Fond forehand.
2: That's not a tuck. Oh, yeah, that's yeah a tuck. for sure. Yeah, you're being a little bit safe on the back end to make sure you don't. Lose control of the puck, so I understand yeah. that. But he came in from the, the left top. side, is on his on his
1: wing. That's a tough call. That's a tough play.
2: He's had so many of those this year, where he he's in scored. his own head. He's talking to himself on the bench. Yeah, that yeah, I mean, he looked so relieved after he scored the first one. Hasn't got one since because he's, there's been plays like this where you know it's it's not for a lack of trying. Uh, one guy I want to mention though is Uh-oh. the pass on that play by Ricard Raquel ricard raquel has looked immensely better yeah he really five, has he really killings.
1: really has looked better he
2: he had a stretch there where he had scored four straight games uh looked good in this one as well was making things happen again like i said that was a great pass to max jones you know, is is ricard raquel back maybe a little bit too late now but it's nice i mean th- you, you want to see guys at least you know th- this season's over that guys are starting to get back to what we're used to seeing from them, and Ricard Raquel has been, you know, the biggest disappointment in, in my mind for the Ducks this year. And the fact that he's finally, you know, turning things around the later part of the season, hopefully, looks good for how he could do next year because he needs to get back to to twenty or thirty goals next year.
1: I mean, yeah, the, the guy is looking for his 39th point on the season in game sixty seven. And let's not forget, everybody. The Ducks don't have anyone who's probably going to hit 50 points unless Ryan Getzloff gets back in the lineup. Because the guy closest to Getzloff is Adam Henrique with 41. There's nobody on this team that's going to score 50 points this year. I, I think Getz he's probably done um, if they're going to have him at home. Let's hope not. But there's a good chance they just sit him the last three games. So Ricard Raquel has been—he's mm, been—he's been a really hard player to look at. After scoring over thirty the past two years,
2: yeah, but it is nice to see him to see him getting back on it because that that's what you kind of want to see. And yeah, so he he had the three game stretch there. We had two against San Jose, one against LA, one against Vancouver. Looked good in the Winnipeg game despite the Ducks just not scoring in that one. And then he looked pretty good tonight. But again, the Ducks just really couldn't get anything going for two periods against the Flames. Uh, but yeah, I mean that that's bad when you look at that the fact that the Ducks are going to have nobody hit fifty points likely they somehow aren't the worst team when it comes to who are leading by points on a team gets is leading the team with 47 arizona i believe is the worst because clayton keller is leading them with 46 points Ooh, so it's uh, uh they're just in the same position but the the, the difference is arizona is fighting for a playoff spot the ducks are are way way behind them so it, you know you don't need a guy to hit 50 points i'm, I'm surprised any team can make the playoffs without a guy at least hitting 50 points and, and Arizona probably looks like they're out of the playoffs now But losing to Colorado tonight, they're 3 points behind them but it, well, hey, hey, hey,
1: thank God the Oilers are going to make the playoffs with uh, Connor McDavid with career highs, Dreisaitl with career highs Nugent Hopkins a career oh yeah they're not
2: they're not making the playoffs yeah I I think if you if at the beginning of the season you told me that I mean you you didn't have to tell me that Connor McDavid was going to hit 100 points I think that was obvious uh but if you had told me Drysdale was going to hit 50 goals and be over 100 points and at Ryan Nugent Hopkins was finally going to get close to what they thought he was going to be and and be almost a point per game player that you would think the Oilers would make the playoffs with that I mean 200 point guys Uh, has there ever been a team that hasn't made the playoffs that has had two hundred point guys? Oh, i love and, that stat. And been that far out of the playoffs? I mean, they are eight points behind Colorado, mm. for the playoff spot. Five, mm. five points by, uh, behind Arizona, who's not even in the playoff spot. Like they are. I, I don't think they're mathematically limited, but they're they're pretty darn close to being math. They might as well be. They probably are. Yeah. They probably are. And. It's it's pretty ridiculous when, you know, now did he is over 100 and, and Dave is over 100. And there's only, I think, four four guys over 100 points in the league. And they're not making the playoffs. I mean, yeah, the Blackhawks aren't making the playoffs. But Kane's the only guy over 100 there. And, you know, it, it happens. But, man, I mean, two guys, 100 points. Not even look. We're talking about teams here that don't even have a guy at 50. You've got a guy that has double that. And they're not making the play. you got two guys who have double that. They're not making the playoffs. A guy with forty goals, a guy with fifty goals, and they're not making the playoffs. Like that—that's saying something in Edmonton. And you know, Cam Talbot's good- worst
1: year ever, coupled by no defense and the
2: bottom six not being good. Wow, that's a lot. That's a lot. It's not the worst spot to be in, though, because you oh. still have, but you still you still have two guys who are capable of hundred points.
1: Yeah, but you—that's a bad do, spot do to Do not be in. know who's
2: running that team. Well, it's not Chirelli anymore. No, it's uh, Keith. Is it Keith Gretzky? Keith Gretzky. Keith that's so not going to be for long. But, <laughs> again, like, it's not the, you know, as laughable as they've been, people made fun of that dry settle contract, that so he's never going to live up to it. He's not. He's not. He can't what, anchor he his own line.
1: He can't anchor his own line. He's playing with Connor McDavid.
2: He's making, what, $9 million?
1: Yes, to play with and Connor McDavid. But that that's is fine. second C money. You
2: need to... Dominate your own line, or you know that second C money, or first line winger money, and a guy who can put up a hundred points. Oh and score please, 50 goals. yeah, because
1: because yeah, because Connor McDavid really needs Leon Dreisaitl on his wing. He can make anybody put the puck in the net. Just ask Sidney yeah, Crosby not, how much money me. he's made. Chris Kunitz, give me
2: a break. Yeah, but give me a break. Was Chris Kunitz ever a hundred point guy and a fifty goals? So, yeah, it, there's no doubt that. Yeah, because McDavid to
1: win cups, you needed to get him Malkin. Leon Dreisaitl yeah, Chris, becomes second
2: Chris, C there's no doubt that that uh, Connor McDavid makes Leon Draisaitl better mm. but it doesn't mean that Leon Draisaitl is not a bad player and no. i think no matter what you know you put we we've, we've seen a lot of guys with Connor McDavid that haven't been able to put up numbers like this
1: but they right? okay like, yeah but is it
2: worth it to sacrifice for middle six you can still bring in a guy a, a second line center who doesn't have, you, don't oh oh you don't need a Malkin you don't need a Malkin you you can get a second line center for six or seven million dollars. Who's yeah, very good. but not nine, not nine no, million dollars. You've got you've got the best player in the game, and you've arguably, got a guy who's arguably. you've got a guy who's a, who could be playing with Connor McDavid a consistent forty mm-hmm. or fifty goal score. Mm-hmm. That is a similar setup to what Washington has with with uh, Nicholas Backstrom and, and Alexander Ovechkin. I'm not comparing Dry settle to Ovechkin, please don't. Did did. Washington really have an Evgeny Malkin. They had Evgeny Kuznetsov, who's a great player in his own right. Who is a great player. He's a great player. Yeah, he's a great player but he's not a Malkin. You can get a player similar to Kuznetsov in free agency or you can draft another center that you can work your way up. The Oilers are not in the worst position in the world. They need a goaltender that's obvious. They have some defense prospects coming up. They should probably draft a defenseman with their first pick in this draft. And maybe grab a center. Who knows? They they have some options there. But when you have Connor McDavid and when you have a guy like Drysella who can score 50, forty or fifty goals, you're not in the worst position out of every team in the league.
1: How much money do you think Evgeny Kuznetsov makes?
2: I I think he only makes about six or seven million right now.
1: Seven point eight for about seventy points in seventy two games. Not playing with Connor McDavid. Leon Dreisaitl makes $9 million.
2: Yeah, but Dreisaitl is also a 70-point guy not yeah, playing with Yeah, but he was
1: supposed to anchor his own line. They brought him in as an anchor. And now he's playing along with perhaps the greatest player in the game. He's not worth the money.
2: He's not worth the money. If if I, if I have a guy, no matter who, I don't care who he's playing with. If he's, I, I, you, you're telling me like... You're comparing him to Chris Kunitz playing with Sidney Crosby with yeah, nowhere I am. close. Okay. If I have a guy who can put up a hundred points and sure. almost score fifty goals, and I and the
1: only it. year he's ever done it, by the way. Only year yeah, he's definitely. ever done it.
2: Fair enough. And they, originally, the contract was worth too much. But if he can consistently do this, where he's a forty-goal scorer and a ninety-hundred-point guy, he's worth a nine and a half million. Even he's he making eight and a half. Taylor. He's not
1: even making nine. He's making eight and a half. Tristel's making I mean, eight. And a half.
2: Even better. Even better. That you know, a hundred over a hundred points, forty to fifty goals. If he can do that consistently, he'll be one of the best goal scorers in the game because not many people can score forty goals consistently. I mean, yeah, I'm not going to say he's
1: Kunitz cool, two That's great.
2: I'm not gonna, and again you're right he's he's never put up 30. He's got almost yeah. 50 this year. Yeah. Like there's there's arguments that it might not be sustainable. Who knows? But I would assume playing with Connor McDavid when you're a player of the, the ability of Leon Draisaitl mm-hmm. you you can at least probably hit 30 consistently when you're he, almost he doing He got that
1: paid problem. because of his playoffs against Anaheim which they didn't even win the series against. So that's why he got paid. He got paid cuz of his playoffs. And then well, now, and, he,
2: and they're it's... they're looking pretty happy right now. I'm sure the Oilers are with with his production. If he ended up playing with Connor McDavid this year and only put up seventy or eighty points, then fine. But he's well surpassed his career high in goals and points. So I, I think they're they're pretty happy moving forward. They've got some good young players coming up forwards. They're just defense and goaltending is their issue.
1: Aberration. He sucks. He's not. He's not that. He is definitely. I like not how bad. people
2: are saying that Drysaddle will never do it again, but nobody's saying yeah. Kucherov will never hit one hundred twenty points again. Khrushchev like
1: is just a different animal. He's better.
2: He yeah, but he's better, but I don't I don't think he's definitely not a consistent hundred and twenty point player. Like he's done he he has hit two seasons at hundred points. Yeah, that's more yeah. than tricycle. Yeah, but I just, I don't think, 120 points This is, he's getting to territory That we haven't seen in almost two decades
1: Right, and it's on the assist column for him though Like he's had over 30 it's goals a lot of secondary assists and power play Yeah, points. yeah, yeah, no of course, a lot of power play points He leaves the league in assists with over 80 And then he's got 83 assists
2: yeah, he leads the league in secondary assists. He leads the league in power play points, mm-hmm. and I believe he doesn't lead the league in primary assists. I think that's actually Connor McDavid. So mm-hmm. it it you know there's there's some things going here for him there that show that he'll likely regress next year, which mm-hmm. he can still hit 100 points like that on this team that's gonna still be together. He could still hit it, but it's just funny like nobody's talking about Kucherov being a guy that could regress next year because he's having an insane season, but everybody's talking about you know, Leon Drysaddle among others on guys that might not have as good a season next year. You only, and I, Jason, need an NHL show.
1: You and I just literally spent 15 minutes arguing about Leon Dreisaitl, Chris Kuditz, and now we're talking about Kucherov. <laughs> where where has this Ducks post-game show gone? Games, there's
2: three <laughs> games left in <of> the season, <laughs> and the where? Ducks got up 6-1. has this There's better things to talk about. I mean, the Ducks' best goal scores in the lineup. Our leading, our leading point-getter right now is Adam Henrique with 41 points. If you, if you triple his points, he only has, I think, two more points than, than Nikita Kucherov. It's so, a tough go. It's definitely been a tough go for us. Sorry, man. sorry if you if you didn't enjoy us talking about the the NHL. Right now, <laughs> if you, if might you haven't really tuned out, we're almost at an I mean, hour. <laughs> I, I mean, I would be surprised if you wanted to talk more about the Ducks right now. The way they are playing, um, it's just it, you know it sucks. We you know, we don't want to beat a dead horse, and you know, Ducks just lost six to one. Um, so you know you don't want well, to. Well, let's get touch to questions. Do you have any questions in chat? Anybody in
1: YouTube or anybody in Spreaker want to ask a question? If not, if you're not so compelled, then don't worry about it. We can get to our questions we have on Instagram and Facebook. So if no one has any questions, we can move along here.
2: Let's move on to uh, to Facebook and
1: see if anyone wants to chime in while we do this. Uh, Craig says, "Head coach, who's going to be available? He put in parentheses too soon, but who do we want? Um, well, Craig." If you've been a listener to the show, maybe you're new, that's fine. Uh, we're all very, very big proponents of getting uh, Ricard Gromberg to Anaheim. Uh, if he can't make it, we're, all eyes are on Dallas Eakins, and he's probably going to be the coach. Bob McKenzie came out and said that a few weeks ago purely because he's earned it. Um, he had a disastrous career in Edmonton. Comes to Anaheim after being in the goals would be a great story. He brings all these kids up in, in, in San Diego. Develops him. He's a great players coach, comes to Anaheim, fulfills his destiny, and turns Anaheim around away from Randy Carlyle's Just a horrible dinosaur prehistoric uh, game of hockey that he was playing here and brings in the fresh new vibe, and uh, this team flourishes. So I think it's going to be definitely Dallas Eakins. But uh, Ricard Gronberg. we had him on the show, and uh, we're definitely a big supporter of his.
2: Yeah, I, I think it's... If not 100%, like 99.9%, uh, it's going to be Dallas Akins. But uh, again, I'm in the same boat uh, that I would I would love to have Ricard Gromberg. I think he's the best coach available on the market, uh, you know, uh, other than maybe Coach Q. But he's only you know, a guy that specific teams should be searching for, teams that are going be, to be competitive and in, in need of a new coach. And, and that comes with his resume. You, you know, Gromberg's never coached in the NHL, and you look at the success that Quenville's had. Yeah, he's the best coach available but when you're looking at trying to build a team and, and bringing in a you know a, a new guy and a new mindset i think you know any of those teams looking to move in a different direction gromberg's the guy that you should go for and, and i would love for the ducks to get him i, I don't think it's going to happen uh, but either way whatever team he goes to i think he's going to have success there because uh he has all the makings to be a really successful coach in this league
1: it was so funny man i was listening to another uh, hockey podcast i mean yeah i do that too um he's it was a big a big podcast and they were talking about coaches being thrown around and they, and they mentioned what a big leap of faith it would be, you know, maybe in the next five, ten years we have a European coach come in and coach an NHL team out of nowhere. And I was like, Wow, really? And they wouldn't say Ricard Gromberg's name. They just kept saying, you know, there's been a name thrown around, a guy from the SHL or Swedish Swedish hockey league he's been tossed around and I don't know, he's been talked about. Not really sure if he's ever gonna be able to get a chance, you know, here in the next few years, but maybe one of these you know old time organizations are gonna throw this guy in there. It's like he's been talked about a lot. Just say Ricard Gromberg has been talked about a lot. And it's it's no secret anymore. It's not a secret anymore that he he's desperately wanted to come to the United States and get his and get his feet wet. And he even said to us, he doesn't care. He just wants to be in the North American game and work his way up or get an NHL shot. But most likely it's going to be AHL. So, hey, Eddie, is it not like the second best plan possible that Eakins gets moved up and Gronberg
2: takes over the head coaching job with the goals? Well we talked about this, it's possible. (laughs) Uh, It's very probably slim to none, but it's possible. That's my ideal situation, sort of. Um, Because if if then, you know, you don't want Eakins to to be gone. And you know Gronberg's not going to last too long in the AHL before another team comes calling for him. Um, so the only way that works out that he would end up being the coach of the Ducks is if things went wrong with Akins. Unfortunately, I don't want that to happen. No, you know, I want Dallas Akins to come in and be successful. I feel bad for what he had to go through in Edmonton. So for only for him to come in to coach a couple of years and then get fired for Gromberg to come up, that would suck. Um, you know, we'd be hoarding assets at that point. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Gromberg would definitely come if if he had no NHL jobs. I'm sure, you know, an AHL option, especially down in San Diego, would be pretty appealing to him. But uh, I would have to think that some team is going to offer him uh, an NHL job. There's no way I don't think he makes it through this summer without, you know, getting in a couple offers from some NHL teams looking for coaching positions.
1: Next question is also from Craig. He says, Kasha, I know he had surgery, but absolutely no updates. So, yeah, I had nothing really to report other than he was out six months. So. You're looking at at an. We're not going to get any updates until training camp. I really don't feel like you're going to hear another peep out of this organization about Andre Kasha until we see September.
2: Jeez, Rick, Ricky, in our YouTube chat just brought up like nightmare fuel for me for the, <laughs> for the for the summer. So you right, you know, rightfully so. We've been we've done. Well, I don't think we've done 79 podcasts this year, but we've done pretty close. In the 70s, we've missed a few. In in a year, a calendar year, or not, I don't know if you call it a calendar year, but from March
1: to March, we've done over 104 episodes. So. All right, so,
2: so Ricky, <laughs> Ricky said, he proposed this to us. He said, uh, Angels post-game shows until October. That's <laughs> 162 games. It's I...
1: I, I just i just can't do baseball ricky i i'm gonna go to a t- it's not a few, even that i'm gonna go it's to a, a few 62 games <laughs> i know i just can't do back to back to back to back to back nights either i can't do a day game that starts at noon i i just i can't get into baseball he was a big baseball fan as a kid um but just not as an adult i know i'm gonna go to a few tailgates it was brought up to us i think by bombay who was mysteriously not in chat tonight, by the way. He gives Jason and I and you so much crap by not starting on time, but he's not even in chat. Um, we were talking about doing a uh, – Angel, the Angels are doing, you know, Ducks night, I think, in September. So we're talking about maybe going and doing that. But we just we, – I just can't do baseball, man. I, I just can't get into it.
2: See, I mean, I like baseball, but I, I can't wrap my head around 162 games. And, That's uh, That's too much. <laughs> You know, you know five straight nights of podcasts and, and switching between nights and days uh, and then we got
1: bonus shows you just know there's no there's
2: no way to do it and I, I wouldn't be able to handle it. It would be too much and then I, you know I'm not the even close to being knowledgeable enough on baseball where uh, where you would want to listen to me talk about the angels. I could name maybe five or six players on the angels that's uh, that's not quality podcast material. Does
1: Gary Dessartina still play shortstop? And does uh, does uh, Derek Erstad play first base? If not, I don't know where I'm at anymore.
2: I'm sure that that's a reference from 20 years ago that I clearly don't <laughs> <know>. <laughs> <laughs> clearly don't know those players. I can tell and you, is Tim
1: Salmon stuff, but... playing. I'm just curious. Um, he won the World I'll Series then, by the way. Uh, oh, Daniel on Instagram says, "What are your off-season plans?" Well. Our off-season plans are to uh, expand the hell out of the show. We're going to be doing a lot here coming in, in this uh, upcoming off-season with um, with websites, with merchandise, with expanding here on Twitch. Uh, we have a lot of plans coming up here. But uh, personally, I'm looking forward to a few weeks off of podcasting every other night. So we'll, we'll be doing as many bonus shows as we can. Um, but uh, we're definitely going to be taking it easy this summer.
2: If you were around last summer... Uh, it'll be a similar schedule to that so you know we have a draft show coming up we're going to be well I guess first things first April 9th we have a we're going to do a live broadcast on Twitch for the draft lottery yeah. not sure if all three of us will be there it depends on who's available but if not I will be there because I have to I'll might be just be
1: this. you and Jason and meeting people for drinks somewhere uh, locally who wanted to watch it live
2: so who knows yeah either way one one or two of us will be there so we'll be doing that and then we are also um again after that once that we know where the ducks are going to be drafting and maybe a little bit further into the playoffs so we can know where that second pick in the first round is going to be we'll be having steve corneano as the draft analyst back on for a draft preview show one of the my favorite podcasts we've ever done was with steve which was He's last so good man of the draft uh he knows everything he puts out a list uh each year of his top 400 prospects for the draft. I mean, we think we see of the amount out, of work that takes to do. We we see guys put out their top 93, which is the first three rounds, and think that's a lot. And uh, he puts out f- his top 400 rankings. So if he, if you want the best guy possible to talk about prospects. Uh, Steve Steve's the guy to have on he made some some interesting choices last year we talked about uh, who the Ducks should draft and and they ended up drafting a couple guys he focused on specifically he mentioned the Ducks should go for Blake McLaughlin in the third round and guess who they drafted in the third round it was Blake McLaughlin so uh, and he had him ranked I think as a second round player and uh you know that was uh, an interesting one it was a fun talk so we'll have him on again we'll obviously be doing draft coverage when the draft comes around we'll have a draft uh like a uh, draft uh, post game show, I guess you could call it. After the draft, will be a post draft show where we'll talk about who the Ducks drafted. And then hopefully we can line up some more interviews with, with Ducks prospects. I think we interviewed almost everybody last year. Yeah. Um, in the first couple of rounds, we had Lindstrom, um, uh, we had Purbix, we had McLaughlin, um, we, we had who I think that was it. Who who was the second round pick last year? Oh, Benoit Olivier Groot. We had him as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so. It was uh, it was fun. So hopefully we can do some more of that in the summer. And as Pat said, we've we've got uh, merchandise on the way. Hopefully website on the way. A lot of big things planned for next season, including moving the podcast uh, full time to Twitch because it's about a million times easier to use than YouTube as well. So a lot of, a lot of things going on for next year. It will still be viewable on YouTube. Just post game
1: live. Will be yeah, Twitch, live will we'll be on Twitch. Yeah, live on Twitch. We want to hit every platform. A lot of people complain about not being able to uh, to comment in our chat from their phone while on YouTube so Twitch is very very easy to do and you can do both so that helps everybody out but we'll still be on YouTube if you got to listen at work the next day or however you listen to us on YouTube uh, David Roska from Instagram also asked who will, the Ducks be the, who, who will the Ducks get for the new head coach we just t- we just covered that uh, thank you David and Daniel for that question and then Derek Russell on Instagram says what should we do with Carter Rowney this next season trade or keep how do you like that guy I mean, he fills the role for that bottom six, but uh, are you a keeper or a, you know, send him off somewhere else kind of guy, Eddie?
2: Yeah, I'm I'm a keeper. Uh, he's done nothing wrong this year. You know, he's been one of the, the only signings that the Ducks made that actually lived up to what, or even maybe surpassed what you thought you were going to get from him. Turned out to be a really solid penalty killer, can contribute offensively on the fourth line every now and then, uh, and just plays the game the right way. As cliche as that sounds, he doesn't make a lot of mistakes, and uh, defensively he seems to be a really responsible player so I I would love to keep him around I know it was a weird three year contract so he's still got two years left Uh, but he's those you know he's those types of guys that the type of player that I would like to keep around on this this team I think he can be an effective fourth line player and you know he's a guy that if you healthy scratch him it's not surprising it's not the end of the world Uh, and then if you you trade him there's always going to be teams I think looking for his type of player so if you do have to trade him it's not going to be too hard, especially at the at the the money that he is making at this point.
1: Yeah, no, I agree with you. And he's he's put up a career high seventeen points this year. Of course, he's played the most games since coming over from Pittsburgh. But yeah, two more years in the deal not a, not a uh, not a problem with him in his game at all. I think he fills the role, and uh, he's a, 20, a 15 to twenty point guy, maybe twenty five at his peak. And that's not a bad move for the Ducks. I don't feel like you got you got to have these kind of role players. You just have to.
2: Yeah. No. Exactly. Um, What were we missing? There was one thing we were missing for the show. Now I can't remember. We had something to say, and I, I have no idea what it was anymore. <laughs> well, that
1: is it for us today since the, uh, since the show must go on, and Eddie's question will be left behind or his topic will be left behind here for the next show if we can. Oh, uh, oh I, got uh, I got
2: it. We, we forgot I we tried. had to update the draft lottery. We had to <laughs> update the draft lottery. Oh, and Up- you need F- to update FM3 F- 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 stars, dude. Don't, don't even worry about that. Oh, my God. It's been like Get two done. months. Well, I've been busy, so it's getting done. It's <laughs> happen. There's still three games left in in this month of three stars, so it will get updated. Hopefully tonight, um, if not tomorrow,
1: tomorrow
2: after the Oilers game,
1: Ottawa's getting the number one <laughs> overall pick, and it's going to go to Colorado. Let's right. just say that. Now.
2: So, so this this is how it is right now. So Ottawa's number one, sixty points. Likely they're going to get it. Uh, L.A. second, sixty five points. This is reverse standings, by the way. Uh, New Jersey third with sixty seven. Detroit. One four in a row. I think this is updated. They're at 70 points. Uh, Buffalo at 72, and Anaheim now at 74 because the Rangers won today, and the Ducks moved from sixth last to, to, or some seventh last to sixth last, and they now have a 7.5% chance at getting the number one overall pick instead of having a 6.5% chance, and if they can m- move past Buffalo and Detroit, uh, I think the lowest they can, they can actually mathematically finish right now is fourth last that would give them a 9.5% chance. So you're looking at you're, you're a pretty big difference of, of about uh, 3% in being able to get the number one overall pick. And I think the big thing, too, is if from 7th to 4th, you have uh, about an 8% chance of getting a top three pick difference, going from 20.4% to 28.8%. So Detroit needs to keep winning. They're stringing together wins at the right time. The only problem is the Sabres have lost five in a row, and they're, they're the worst team over their last 10 games. In, in the entire league. So the, the Sabres are doing their best to hold on to that number five spot. I would like the ducks to finish in the bottom five to have a, 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 not a guaranteed chance, but a better chance of at least getting a top five pick. You know, that, that was my goal for this entire season when it started going south was at least get a top five pick. Not that I'd be disappointed with the six overall pick, but I just kind of like the sound of a top five pick. And I of believe, course. I believe every team who is uh, in the bottom five, I believe this might be bottom three goes on to tsn for the draft lottery and i really want to see bob murray sitting in a chair on tsn for the draft lottery so if it's if it's the bottom five gms that show up i want i want them to finish bottom five so he can show up there uh i mean
1: they've got what edmonton they have a chance to be tomorrow the flames and the kings they have they just have not gotten a game together against the Kings. So And they just lost to the Flames big time. There's a chance they lose the next three games. There's a there's big a chance. chance. Yeah, there's a big chance. Well,
2: Drysdale probably gets a hat-trick tomorrow. So he's oh, at 50. He you lose, you lose, you lose your bet. Uh, the, the Flames are the Flames. And we saw what happened today. And then the, the last game against the season, that game is going to literally mean nothing now. We thought it was going to mean everything. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's probably going to mean nothing for both the Kings and uh, <laughs> How the was Buffalo after
1: just destroying everybody at the beginning of the year, one eight and one in the last ten, what a garbage show! Poor, that poor team poor Brandon has Montour to be. Leaves, oh.
2: leaves the dumpster fire of Anaheim and ends up going to a, a team that is worse now in the standings. Oh, the it's so bad. I, you know, if if I, I have to feel bad for any fans this year, out of any every team that's going to miss the playoffs, it's probably Sabres fans because there was so much promise. Middlestat was supposed to be like the rookie of the year this year, and he's been not great. Um, You know, Skinner has almost, I think he's, I don't actually, I think he hasn't hit 40 yet. He was on pace to hit like 50. Now he's hes like slumped hard like the rest of the team. And things haven't been going well for him. Eichel has fallen off a bit. Uh, Brandon Montour goes over there. They're they're like, oh, we get Montour. It's going to be good. Carter Hutton was playing so well. And then all of a sudden, like everything just goes out the window. And this team just, the wheels just fall off. And they're about to secure themselves another top five pick after getting Rasmus last year. So, so Jeff uh, Skinner since March first has three points,
1: one goal, two assists. Yeah, since that's, when? that's how it's gone since March first. Yikes! Yeah, yeah, that's not, how it's that's gone, not a Sabres good look.
2: I feel for you guys. There's there's bright things in the future, especially with another first a uh, first overall pick and. Uh, but I, I I feel bad for them this sure. year. I think out of every team, they're the ones I feel the the worst for. Uh, yeah. Maybe
1: gone are the November and December days of the Buffalo Sabers, and uh, welcome to the second half of the year when you yeah. still have I to be good. The,
2: at one point, weren't they the best team in the Eastern Conference it, a really small I, I, stretch I, Maybe, maybe it was close. Oh no, 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 that was Tampa Bay. They were the best. They were the. Oh, no, I think they were for like the first two weeks of the season. Might have been. Yeah which was weird but the two week first two weeks mean nothing obviously because now look at tampa bay uh, consistency is is everything folks because tampa bay is consistently good and they are by far the best team in the league and the sabers who were at one point the best team in the eastern conference have now consistently been bad since uh, about november so that's that's how things go <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's how they go, and that's how the night's gone for the Ducks. Just uh, consistently bad, and so we revis- revisited that tonight against the Flames as the Ducks dropped that one six to one. Ducks play again tomorrow night against Edmonton. Um, there'll be another post game show tomorrow night. Uh, your hosts are questionable. Uh, we'll see what I'll happens. Eddie will be I'll there. Be. I'm not sure if I will be there. We'll see how that works out. But uh, we'll definitely have a show tomorrow night. Thank you guys for tuning in. Thanks for sitting through the NHL stuff. We love to talk about that. Another great place to catch that kind of NHL talk is on our Patreon. If you're not a Patreon member and you would like to hear four more shows a month from us, go check us out on Patreon. Um, Different tiers get different shows, so there's a little bit for everybody. If you're a top-tier guy, you get a a puck bottle opener with our logo on it, which is pretty cool. Eddie brought one home with him. Are you showing the crowd? Yes, I'm showing it. Very nice. Show our puck bottle opener that you get. And I'm mailing off the other three. So, all of our patrons will have those here. We're going to mail them off on Monday. So, those will be delivered. Uh, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And uh, we'll talk to you guys tomorrow night. Have a great
0: night.
2: See ya.